So I want to make that very clear that if you're trying not to present yourself in a narcissistic way, that does not mean that you should cut down your self-confidence. Okay. Let's get into this a little bit deeper. What I mean by that. A great example of someone who is very self-confident is one of mine, like new, like idols. I love her is Evie Pomporis. Evie Pomporis is a former secret service agent. And she herself, who has been thrown against a wall by a Chinese general and has defended American presidents, foreign delegates, has given people um, polygraph tests, has interviewed criminals. Like she has done some really crazy, awesome things. And it would be very easy to assume that she is very egotistical, right? She believes that her biggest strength is her failure. She owns all of her mistakes. And she takes full responsibility for all of her actions. That is self-confidence. She had talks about having feelings of rage and having to step away and come back calm and to talk with confidence, with clarity, but not with anger. She takes her ego out of those emotions and she's self-aware and self-confident. That is something that our narcissist has no ability to do. They often think that they're displaying self-confidence, but what they're actually doing is if someone ever points out something that they've done wrong, they're showing rage and they will never ever own that they've made a mistake. So that's what self-confidence is, is is the ability to say, Hey, I've made a mistake and I own my responsibility in that. I own my actions, but it doesn't make you weaker and you're like confident enough to regulate your emotions. All of that stuff, that's self-confidence. So what is the ego then? So if you look at the definition, it is a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance, right? So that is the ego, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're egotistical if you have a strong ego, right? So ego isn't the enemy. It's when you're shielding your ego from any type of attack, if you have a fragile ego, any type of harm that is done just by society is going to make you break. Narcissists have the fragilist egos. So juxtaposition to that is someone with a strong ego. And a person with a strong ego is defined by the dictionary as one who is able to tolerate frustration and stress, postpone gratification, modify selfish desires when necessary and resolve internal conflicts and emotional problems before they lead to neurosis. That is the dictionary's full definition of what a strong ego is. So ego is not the enemy. It is a fragile ego that if a bullet came through like a metaphorical bullet, like an, an ego attack bullet hit the ego of a narcissist whose ego has been like buried and protected and like can't be touched. It's never, they've never practiced any type of strength training on their ego that it comes and hits them and they crumble. Whereas a self-confident person and a person with a strong ego, like Evie Pomporis, if a ego attack bullet struck her ego, it would bounce off like rubber because she has accepted that she can make mistakes and that only makes her stronger. So that is the difference between having uh, having self-confidence, having a strong ego and what narcissism is. It is not what you think it is. Okay. So yes, that is the baseline idea of what narcissism is. 
But as I continue to do my research, I discovered that there are so many different types and levels of narcissism beyond the fact that they're just insecure and hate themselves and need validation. Like it goes so deep. Listen to this. There's like so many different types, like malignant, covert, communal, sadistic, grandiose. Then there's like mid-range and low-grade and vulnerable, neglectful, benign even. There's benign narcissism. They all have the same root in insecurity and pain, but it shows differently and it has different patterns for each type of narcissism and it will affect you differently depending on what type of narcissist they are. And above all, it is always going to affect an empathetic person in a negative way, in a very harmful way. So if you understand that and you understand everyone has a shadow. So like I said earlier, so like the idea of the shadow is the place where we don't want to look because the shadow is where we hide all of the things that we don't like about ourselves, which is interesting. Hi, Graham. Okay, bye-bye. She's going to be here for a while. Hold on. Okay, she's just going to stare then. Then we're going to go back to recording. Okay. So the shadow is, as we described in that previous episode, is the place where you don't want to look. It is the place where all of the things that you don't like about yourself is hidden away. It's where your weaknesses are. It's where your mistakes that you would rather not admit happen. That's where it all resides. So once you have established that you have a shadow, that you have a place where you store things that you don't like about yourself, the important thing that healthy people do is what's called shadow work. This is where you address what's in your shadow, the things that you don't like about yourself, accept them for what they are, and not allow it to be a place of insecurity anymore. It's gaining a strong ego, essentially. A narcissistic person has a shadow, but they are terrified of it. They are like the Bene Gesserit witches that cannot look at that. It is a place that does not exist. It is Mufasa from The Lion King where he's like, we do not go there. That is what a narcissist does with, its, with their own shadow. In fact, it's more like they actually bury it and then they like cover it with cement. Like they cannot, they cannot accept those things. And on top of that, they have to have people believe that they are perfect, that they don't have a shadow. It doesn't exist. Like when I say they avoid their shadow, like the plague, it is so bad that they cannot express empathy because empathy would imply that they understand what weakness is. They understand what a making a mistake makes you feel, but then by doing so would be admitting that they have made mistakes and have weaknesses. That's where that lack of empathy comes in when they see someone that needs their support. It's, it's mind blowing actually. It's like, you know, that scene in Spaceballs, if you've seen Spaceballs, you should know this. If you haven't go pause this podcast and watch Spaceballs, what are you doing? That scene in Spaceballs where uh, Darth Helmet is playing with his little figurines and then the guard walks in and he like desperately covers up all the dolls. And he's like, what, what do you want? Did you see anything? And the guard goes, no, sir, I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. And he goes, good. <laughs> like, that's what I, I feel like a narcissist is with any type of weakness. Like they, they're like, did you see anything? I know me with my movie quotes. I just can't help myself. Okay. So we have an understanding now of what narcissism is and it's not what we thought it was, but 
like I took that dark triad test with Dustin, it would demonstrate that in psychology, the idea that anyone can have narcissistic traits speaks to the fact that you would need to really speak with a professional to figure out if you have narcissistic traits that are manageable and not pathological, or if it's pathological and a consistent pattern of enough of those traits to decide if you're a narcissist. However, that being said, if you are a person who has had extended contact with a narcissist, you can pick up what are called fleas. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, so let's get into the me topic. Let's talk about me. This is what we're here for, isn't it? Let's talk about my narcissism. <laughs> I don't like that. I also don't really like that when people talk about other narcissists, like I am one. Oh, God. I don't know if I'm ready to accept that. When they talk about narcissists, they always talk about it in reference to the person who is being abused by the narcissist, and they'll say, my narcissist. It makes me feel weird because it's almost like my pet or my car, my narcissist. It's weird. Like, I don't want to accept that they are a part of me. <laughs> like, that's their shit. I think it's weird. And I, I don't really want to encourage that. Okay. So now we know there's such a varied and vast spectrum of narcissism. And it's all deeply rooted in insecurity. Well, baby, I have that. I am very insecure. And now looking back on my past, I am realizing that I had narcissistic patterns in my youth that I didn't even know what it was. And I don't think anyone in my life knew how to pinpoint it. I'm going to tell you a story that I don't think I've really shared with a lot of people outside of my very close inner circle. At the end of high school, into the first years of my college days, I was a, <laughs> I competed in local beauty pageants. I worked very hard to try to do what I could to be the best at those beauty pageants. I had coaches, I worked out, I was on anything you can think of to try to make myself appear as the prime pick to become the queen. And I had interview skills, I always felt very confident before I went into those beauty pageants that I was going to be the person that they picked to be queen. But time and time again, someone else would be picked over me to be queen. And it hurt my ego every single time. I would look at the person that they pick and I would compare myself and I would feel very severe envy. I would look at their short hair. I would look at their tacky clothes. I would look at their inability to express themselves eloquently. And I would think, why did they pick her over me? I am obviously so much of a better pick. People are telling me I am so much more of a better pick. Why? What was wrong with what I did that they didn't like? Why weren't they able to see my value over that person's value? Because that person is immature. That person is this. That person is that. That person is whatever it is I thought that they were. I really got so upset over these things. And I was not a good sport about it at all. Looking back on that was nothing but poison that I was just bringing into my own life. And I can see now that that was a narcissistic pattern I have. 
I don't know if it's still one that I have because I don't compete in anything anymore. I don't do anything that I would need to compare myself with anyone anymore, at least not in that way. So I don't know if it's still there. I guess I could look at my patterns in my dating life and if with my jealousy issues, perhaps maybe that's something I should kind of see if that correlates in some way. It might actually, but if you understand what envy is and what jealousy is, I would say possibly no, because jealousy is, I don't want what I have to be taken from me. Whereas envy is, I want what that person has. It should be me that has that. So maybe not. We're going to find out my truth today. If I'm actually narcissistic, if I have enough patterns that I need to be talking to my therapist about this, I am going to, because I am done with any type of toxicity that comes out of me towards other people. I'm taking it out. This is the year of no toxic me. But before we do that, let's address some misconceptions on what narcissism is. If you're ever on TikTok and you look up, am I a narcissist or narcissism or anything like that? It is riddled with misconceptions of people who are taking a stand of, I know a lot and have no idea what they're fucking talking about. So let's get this from actual licensed professionals and not just what, you know, the internet says. Okay. First misconception. If you're asking, am I a narcissist? Then you can't be because then you have enough empathy to realize that you have mistakes. Well, that's not entirely true because narcissists do have empathy. They are just unwilling to show it because a narcissist would then have to have an idea of what it feels like to have weakness or to have made a mistake and they're not willing to admit that. And on top of that, you would have to look at what actual empathy is and empathy can be broken down. And there has been a study on this that I'm getting this information from that empathy can be broken down into two different types of empathy. There's cognitive and affective. Cognitive is understanding an emotion. Affective means that you're feeling the emotions. Narcissistic people have both, but studies show that the affective empathy is just lower, not gone, just lower. So they are able to identify and other people what that emotion is, but they have a lower ability to understand what it feels like for that person. So like when you're watching, do you ever like watch like a war movie? Like I, I, I remember when Fury came out, I was so traumatized by that movie. Oh my God. When Fury came out, I could identify with those people in that film that they were going through something very scary and I could identify that is fear. But did I really feel that fear is the question. And also back to the actual question of this is like, if you have, if you have empathy, you won't ever ask if you're a narcissist. That isn't necessarily true of empathy either because it's a misconception that a narcissist could never identify that they have narcissistic traits either. There are some narcissists who have either listened to their spouse, listened to their parents or themselves have researched this and have gone to licensed professionals or in therapy right now for their narcissism because they saw that it was toxic. Narcissists know it's wrong. They're not oblivious to that. They know it's wrong. And if they become self-aware enough, they can go seek help. The next misconception. 
if your friends say you aren't, shouldn't you trust that? Called a friend last night and I was like, Dallas, my best friend, shout out to Dallas. Love you, girl. Dallas, I think I might be a narcissist. And she was like, I don't think you're a narcissist. Well, I can trust that or I could look into myself and be sure because most narcissists have friends that think that they are the life of the party. A lot of narcissists, unless you're an introverted narcissist, which there is a category for that, most narcissists are extroverts and because they need validation from other people all the time, they can be surrounded with people who think they're so fun. Narcissists are hyper aware of their self-image, so their friends will think that they are very charismatic. They, they might even think that they're very charitable in some instances. Like, your friend's perception of you is not the only thing that you should be looking at if you're assessing if you're a narcissist or not, because if you are so self-aware and hyper-sensitive to criticism, you're going to be putting on a facade for them anyway. A way for you to look around that is in a time of extreme drama, your friends might be might notice that you have narcissistic traits. Dr. Romani, who I'm going to be referencing a lot because she is the, like, she is the person I would go to if I had any questions about narcissism because she has done research on narcissism before it was even a buzz term, people. She knows the ins and outs of narcissism. And to her, according to her, Friends will call them out on their drama. Eventually, it will come out. So I am just wondering if my friend Dallas hasn't seen me in enough dramatic instances that she can have reference on whether or not I'm overreacting or trying to get validation. Another misconception is if you have narcissistic traits, you're a narcissist. That's not true, which is why we actually have tests like the dark triad test that I took because all humans at some level have insecurities that they would rather not people know about. They have mistakes that they would rather hide. People in general have narcissistic traits. And at some point in your life, every person will display those narcissistic traits in some way. But the difference between having them and maintaining them and just your intent behind why you do them and if it's pathological will determine what's a narcissist and what is just a narcissistic trait that you probably should just, you know, get the reins on. And honestly, I would say with high confidence that I have narcissistic traits and uh, I don't display them all that much. I think I don't. But isn't that kind of what a narcissist would say? I'm not a narcissist. So maybe I'm gaslighting myself and maybe I'm gaslighting myself into gaslighting myself. I don't know. Okay, let's look. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've addressed some misconceptions, let's look a little bit deeper into what makes a narcissist. A lot of narcissists have insecure or anxious attachment styles. If you look into what attachment theory is, your first two years of life is where you develop how how secure your attachment style is going to be for the rest of your life. So this is developed with your with your parents. Honestly, it's only one parent or caregiver in your life if you don't have biological parents taking care of you in those days. But those crucial two years where you are developing how secure you are in your attachment to someone intimate, 
where was I going with this? So those two years while you were learning if you can securely feel safe in your attachment to someone and also be independent is where a lot of uh, narcissists actually are. I don't want to say spawned because that sounds weird, but like, that's how I feel like that's where like a lot of narcissists are spawned. <laughs> um, they're not fish. Sorry. But if you're raised properly with enough attachment to your parent, but enough safety in that attachment that you could do independent things and walk around and be dropped off at daycare and be fine and be picked up from daycare and be fine, you have a better chance of having a secure attachment style and have a less likelihood of being a narcissist. However, not all of us were raised that way. Some of us were raised in a very anxious way where the parents were sometimes hypervigilant of what we're doing and other times not available for us when we needed them. And then other times a little too available. And, and we didn't know when that was going to happen. And we didn't know when we had to self-soothe and we didn't know if they were, it, it was all this anxious. I don't know when that's going to be that creates an anxious attachment style or the insecure. There's many levels to this. And like, it's a very interesting theory. I do recommend looking it up, but insecure is basically at least how I understand it is where the child has to learn how to self-soothe and very often feels like their parent isn't available for them ever. This is where avoidance styles come from because they don't feel like they can trust someone actually is going to be there for them. I know that I have an anxious attachment style and that is a very common style of, I think, covert narcissism. So I don't know, maybe I'm covert. Maybe I'm constantly seeking validation in someone telling me I'm good when I'm actually saying I'm so bad. Like, oh no. So we know that attachment styles are, are a great root of it, of narcissism. There are some that are just born that way. But I would say that with my narcissistic traits that I've seen and the fact that I do have anxious attachment style, I'm a little concerned. Things aren't looking too good right now, guys. So now that I know that I have those things that could very easily mean I have some level of narcissism. Let's look into a little bit more of how I act on a daily basis and see if we can look at what the comparison is for how a professional would look at a person and give them a diagnosis for narcissism. So according to the diagnostic and statistical, I can't say statistical. (laughs) So according to the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders, which is the manual that is used by psychologists to determine if someone has narcissism, this is the following criteria that needs to be met. An excessive need for admiration and gaining approval from others, a sense of entitlement, seeing oneself as exceptional and condescending behavior, an inability to recognize the feelings and needs of other people, superficial relationships, vast fluctuation in mood. So I would have to display, I think, um, enough of those to be considered narcissistic. I don't know, guys. I do feel like I do seek a lot of admiration from people. Um, but I don't know if I necessarily need approval from anyone. I don't feel like I have a sense of entitlement anymore. I did when I was doing those beauty pageants, that feeling that I had where I was like, they picked the wrong girl, that I felt entitled to that crown. I definitely felt like I had that a lot more back then. But 
I don't feel like I have that now in my adult years. I do feel like I am able to recognize other people's feelings and needs. I do feel like that. I honestly, just today, my friend walked in and I could tell that there was something that she needed to tell me that was not the best news. And I was right. So I do feel like I'm able to recognize that. Do I have superficial relationships? Hell no. Do I have vast fluctuation moods? Hell yes. (laughs) Okay. Ah. I have been working very hard on my mood regulation, but I can be set off really easily. So here's some other signs that we can like dig deeper in that's also used to diagnose people with narcissism. Okay. Exaggerated feelings of superiority and self-importance. Regular fantasies about personal power, intelligence, success, or attractiveness. I don't know. I think I'm pretty hot. (laughs) I don't know if I have regular fantasies about it. Maybe. A firm belief in personal specialness. I mean, not in that way, no. A strong need for attention or praise. Need? No. Like it? Yes. Um, Entitled behavior such as a desire for special treatment. No, I definitely don't have that. A habit of using manipulation tactics. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay, so I have been told that I can be manipulative. And in that triad test, it did show a high level of what was called Machiavellianism, which is basically manipulation. So I don't like that. I don't want that. And uh, I'm definitely going to be talking to a professional about that. Uh, low empathy or disinterest in the emotional needs of others. No, that's complete opposite of what I am. At least I don't think so. At least I don't think so. A tendency to envy others or to assume others envy them. Yeah, at least I did back then. I don't know if I do now. Um, arrogance and scorn for others. Ah, I mean, uh, do I? Scorn for others. That is an interesting word. And I, I'm trying to think of the definition of what I do is the same. Let me think. If I feel like they're going to take something away from me, but that's just jealousy, right? See, this is where I'm like, not sure. Because, like, there are definitely clear no's and definitely clear maybes or at least yes. Scorn for others is I'm going to put in the maybe category. Because I'm not sure if I can really classify it as scorn or if I'm just a really deeply insecure person. (laughs) And I am scared of losing things because I have anxious attachment style. I don't know. Okay. We will come back to that later. (sighs) Okay. So I feel like if you only look at what makes a narcissist, you're missing something because if you are an empathic person, you're going to look at that list and probably feel what that could feel like and feel bad that you might display that, right? So it might be helpful to look at what a empath or a non-narcissistic person would display to be discounted on the list of assessment when a professional is deciding if someone is a narcissist or not. So let's look at the traits that they look for as like green flags. You're good to go. You're not a narcissist. I want to damage from the cat. I love you. Yeah, baby. If you can hear her purring, just ignore it. I'm so sorry. She needs some loves. Okay. So I'm going to go through the list really quick. And I think I'm actually going to call my sister 
and see if she can tell me if she has seen these in me more than any type of narcissistic trait. Because though I don't think that your friends are a good judgment, someone who is as intimate with my life as my older sister who's been in my life since the day I was born, she would be able to tell me. I would trust that. Okay, so let's, let's go over that. So if you're not a narcissist, you are going to show empathy, kindness, respect, flexibility, self-awareness, can reflect on their inner impact on others, emotional regulation, genuine curiosity about others, um, goal setting for an internal improvement rather than for gaining world um, expectations or praise, um, a sense of identity, meaning that the world doesn't need to tell them that they're great. Like they could like go into a forest and be like totally okay with who they are. No one needs to tell them a thing. They're like, they're, they're confident. Okay. So we have a list of identities that make you a narcissist, a list of identities that make you not a narcissist. Let's see if I can get my sister on the phone and see if she can talk to me about this a little bit. Hello. Hello. Do you have like a minute? Yes, okay. of course. So you're currently on my podcast. What? <laughs> <laughs> you're currently on my podcast. I, I'm determining whether or not I'm not a narcissist. So I'm going to read off a list to you because you have known me since the day I was born. And you have seen me at like every stage of my life. I would assume that your intimacy level would be able to honestly tell me if you have seen these things in me or not. Okay, how, but how much trouble will I be in by answering these questions? Not trouble at all because that just means I need to go see ther- a therapist and like fix it. Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So hold on, let me get the list. Okay, so here we are. Here's the list. Are you ready? I am ready to meet this up. Okay. So the first one, I'm going to read off the traits that would be a green flag that I don't have narcissism, okay? Okay, okay. Okay. So the first one, empathy. Okay. Okay. Well, Wait, am I bitch, do I have it? Oh, okay, okay. I wasn't was clear on the rules here. <laughs> yeah. Do, do I show empathy? Um, okay. I, my immediate answer is yes. However, I also don't understand exactly how you show empathy because it's a feeling so i don't know that i can answer that okay i can answer that right now for you actually i looked at the definition so to have empathy is like you are able to recognize what a feeling is in others like you can see that and be like that sadness but then you're also able to understand what that feeling is and relate to them you feel it when they feel it I feel like this is still a hard one for me to answer for you. Can I say that you have displayed this ability? Yes. Do I know that you actually feel that? No. Like, I'm not you. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I can answer because I also have known people who are masters at pretending. So it's like, I can say I've seen it in you. But you are the only one who can say, yes, I've felt that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Shit, I'm I'm a fucking narcissist. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Um, I'm actually gonna put these two together: kindness and respect. Yes, and yes. But consistently. I mean, is anyone consistent in that? (laughs) All right. Fair. Fair. Because like, there's times in your life where a you you were learning. Because I've known you since 
freaking birth, right? Yeah. So you've gone through different stages in your life. I've gone through different stages in my life. There are times where I'm not kind. There's times when you are not kind. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I can't say you're consistently kind, but you consistently do show kindness. But I mean, you feel me? I don't know. I get it. I get it. Okay, next one. Do I show flexibility? In like in physically, general? can I do the splits? No, like like with things. If something doesn't go my way, can I be flexible? I, I want to. I want to say immediate yeses, but I also want to give you like a real thoughtful answer. So give me a second. Okay. I'm trying to think of like an example in my brain where I'm like, oh, okay, when this happened, was it? A problem or was it chill? I feel like I show less flexibility. Than you do. I, I will be honest with you. You're not flexible. Uh, I, I'm working you can that. be, but in general, you don't like it. It upsets me greatly. Yeah, it does. <laughs> to change my plans. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say you're flexible. Okay. Uh, maybe not. Actually, okay, yes and no. I would say you are flexible when it makes sense to be okay but like especially lately i feel like you're being much more clear about boundaries and what you want what you're not going to accept less of so i would say less now than before okay all right i like that not that not necessarily in a bad way but like that's what i've seen because i feel like you have been extremely flexible especially like for men Okay. Anyway, there you go. All right. So um, I'm going to put two together on this one as well. Self-awareness and can reflect on their impact on others. Hmm. Self-awareness and can reflect on their impact on others? Like, yeah. How my actions impact them. Hmm. I don't know because I guess I haven't seen as much your reflection on it, but I do think you know. Hmm that you have impact with emotions, especially with, because let's be honest, that's how you got a lot of what you got from dad. It's true. Because you know, if I display tears, therefore get toy. (laughs) Very early on, this was very easily learned and used, which I'm not saying, well, I mean, it could be, but I don't know. But that's the first example that came to my brain. I love that you went there because I'm like realizing now that was a narcissistic pattern that I had as a kid. I love that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know this one's going to be a no. <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, wait. Can I swear? I don't know. You can. You swear all I you want. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, do I, I have the ability to regulate my emotions? <laughs> love you, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, uh, is, you're learning. <laughs> I am. I'm trying. It's hard. You feel things so hardcore. Like, I literally look at you sometimes and I'm like, you care so much. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I don't know why I do. It's so annoying for me. I would say that's probably a symptom of not being able to regulate it. I feel like I over-regulate and you under-regulate. Mm-hmm. So we should find a way to balance each other out or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll take from you. You take from me. How's that sound? <laughs> sounds great. Okay. Um, there's, there's two more. Okay, okay. 
Oh, actually, there's three. I'll do three more. Oh. Uh, am I genuinely curious about other people? I would say I see you being genuinely curious. Can I say for sure you are? No, because again, that's a internal thing. You'd have to be able to look at it and be like, okay, am I asking questions about this person because I want to know because I'm curious about them or is it telling me something about them that I can use? You know what I mean? That's a good question. I'm not even sure if I know the answer to that. I'm a little confused myself because I don't even know if I ask enough questions of people to even know that. Maybe I need to be better at that. Well, I feel like it's like that difference between listening to understand versus listening to respond. Yeah. Kind of a difference where it's like, why why are you asking the questions that you ask of a person? Like, um, I think of it like if you're going to do a documentary on somebody, you're trying to understand them. So the types of questions you ask and ask and like the interest in them is purely to understand who they are, why they think the way they think not necessarily to make a judgment or anything like that, but just to understand, right? Yeah. Versus if you're asking questions like, okay, let's let's use, oh my God, my favorite show, Ultimatum. <laughs> oh, I haven't finished that yet. Don't spoil anything. Oh, well, but like think of like the first episode where, or the whatever when they're meeting everybody, the types of questions they ask are almost directly related to and they're constantly thinking back to their ex or whatever, yeah. right? So they're listening, they're asking questions in order to find or to manipulate into what they they want, not to understand who that person is. Yeah, like that one asshole who was like, oh, I hear you don't want children, I'll change that. Yeah, like literally, you are not God, first of all. And <laughs> oh my god, that made me so mad. I was like, why don't you just listen? There's many, many parts of the show that make me mad. But, like, that happens all the time. 90 Day Fiance is another great example where a lot of the time one partner is really questioning and asking things because they want a specific answer, not because they want to actually know the answer. So that one, I don't know. You're going to have to answer that one more on your own. I would say you seem interested. Okay, that's good. I feel like you're probably more interested in people than I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I fucking care. <laughs> I feel like, if anything, I ask the questions to see if I can relate to them. You're trying to relate why, though? What's the reason why you want to relate? Um, Because they're in my space, and they're there, and so if I can find a commonality, we can talk about it. And, like, that's pretty much as far as it goes. Are you doing it because you want them to like you, or to make them feel something specific? Sometimes I want to make them feel something specific, but sometimes it's because we're in a space where no one's talking and so I might as well talk. Like, I don't know. It's not anything. I don't feel like it's anything like, how can I use this person as much as, can I have a conversation with this person? Um, Do I have a strong sense of identity? Meaning that if I went into a forest today... Do you think that I would maintain who I am or would I crumble because I need, like, the world to recognize me? Hmm. I think there have been times where you've been like that. Yeah. And I think that's not necessarily bad. I think we all go through that. Um, Who we are, what we believe in, especially the way we were raised and the fact that we are kind of rejecting that because that gave us our entire identity for so long. Yeah that it's kind of natural to kind of go through that crisis. I think, I 
think you would change a bit, mm-hmm. but I don't know that you would fall apart. I think you would. Well, I don't know. It depends. If you're alone, you'll fall apart because you don't like to be alone. But <laughs> I, I, I'm a very communal person. <laughs> you are. Do you? I mean, I'm just trying to think back to that time when they tried to put you in quarantine for a week in tech school and i was literally like going bonkers because i was like i can't and i was like that's heaven can i go for you and i was like please let me out please let me out that was crazy so i feel like there would be you would you would fall apart to a certain degree just because you do have that need to be with people but i don't know that it's an identity crisis as much as it is loneliness or that need for connection that would drive you to that kind of falling apart stage, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Okay, so, so far, I'm getting a mixed review. I was really hoping you were going to be like, you're an empath, and now I'm like, I might actually be a narcissist. Okay, wait, 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 but listen, listen. Let's be honest. We all are a little narcissistic, and it's not necessarily entirely bad if, as long as you understand and can deal with that mm-hmm. because let's let's think of narcissism as a spectrum it is a spectrum <laughs> actually oh okay good i'm on the right track i don't know I was, <laughs> I was watching this youtube channel and he specializes in narcissism and so he was oh so you got i i i studied dr romani who also specializes in it so i would love to know what he thinks because i didn't look him up he has a whole YouTube channel, watches all of the 90 Day Fiance episodes and, and dissects oh. them, and it's very interesting. Okay. It's called Psychology in Seattle. Love him. He's, he's, I mean, I skip some of the things he talks about because I'm not interested in it, mm-hmm. but he goes in depth into these moments in these episodes and really breaks down how this works, what is classic narcissistic behavior, how you can respond better in this situation if you're dealing with somebody doing this or that. Love that. Uh, but he, I was watching him today because he was watching an episode that I had just watched and, and dissecting it. And one of the things he was talking about was the fact that we all have narcissistic behavior. Mm-hmm. It doesn't all equate to being a classic clinical narcissist. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of ingrained in us, especially in the type of society we live in now. Yeah, It's almost encouraged to be to some level narcissistic yeah it is and like um i in my research the past couple of days they talk about how now with how much exposure especially after the pandemic where we all we had was social media Uh narcissism has become a buzzword people care Uh so much more now because it's so much more in our face Uh whereas narcissists used to have to go out into society to get validation, they're now getting validation on their phones all the time. I mean, it's something that he brought up with the fact that that's um, online dating or like this type, because of 90 Day Fiance, like that type of dating where you find somebody online um, is now more prevalent with narcissists because of the fact that it has become the socially popular thing to do. And they had no other way of validating themselves because of the pandemic. I'm going to have to pause you because Grim just threw my energy drink all over the floor in a spaz. Uh, uh. <laughs> and she's trying to drink it. Grim! <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> you might be a narcissist. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think the conclusion is 
need to work on ourselves. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a good conclusion. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm going to go through a list of things, and I'm just going to have you give me a quick yes or no if you think that you've seen me do this. Just I've seen you do it. Because I think that you feel it. No, no, no. This is like, do you think from, like, because you can tell if someone's a narcissist. You can see it, right? Mm. So I'm going to give you narcissistic traits, and you're going to just say yes or no. Oh, fuck. Okay. And be brutally honest. Okay. All right. So, exaggerates feelings of superiority or self importance. I've seen it a couple times, yes. Oh, shit. Okay. Ouch. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was your ballroom days. I can't help it. I know. Like, I, I was just talking about those times. Like, I, I honestly felt like I was really narcissistic. Narcissistic then. Kind of. Yeah. Um, regular fantasies about personal power, intelligence, success, or um, attractiveness. Regular? Yeah. Uh, not regular, no. <laughs> Wait, is that good or bad? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Our firm belief in personal specialness. I would say more so in the past than now. Shit. Okay. (laughs) I know. I need um, a strong need for attention or praise or admiration from people. Yes. (gasps) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I mean, I still think it's less so now, but. Okay. Well, that was like going on like 10 years ago. Right, but you said if I've seen it. Do you want me to say now? Or yes, now. Past- <laughs> you didn't specify. You said I've known you since you were a child, so tell me. Okay, what now. <laughs> like in now? the past, like five years. Uh, wait. Say the question again. Now that I know the context. <laughs> okay. Um, where was I? Um, a firm belief in personal specialness, a strong need for attention, praise, or admiration from people. That's a half yes. Like, I do think you need, you need, but in the way of, like, you like people to like you. Yeah, I do. And you need that. Like, do you, do you know how many times I've experienced me mad that you go, please no, even though I was the one who did something wrong. Yeah. And that's not changed dramatically. We've handled it better, but, like, I think that need is still there. Yeah. So I would say that's a half. The praise and things like that, we all like praise. But I don't think that's, like, a strong need for you. No. It used to be, but not so much now. Mm-mm. And then admiration, I think it depends on who it is for you. Yeah. But you you like people to like you. I do. Yeah. Um, entitled behavior, such as a desire for special treatment. Mm. My Karen... My Karen, basically. Oh, no. Okay. Um, a habit of using man- manipulation tactics. With dad, yes. But that was when I was like three! <laughs> uh, you could still, I don't even, I don't know that you use it now, but you probably could. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think you tend to manipulate people. Um, that I know of, that I've seen. Okay. Okay. Um, a low empathy or disinterest in the emotion, the emotional needs of others. Oh, I think if anything, you over care. <laughs> you care too much. Stop caring. Goddamn. I, I care too much. I know. <laughs> um, a tendency to envy others or assume others envy me. How is that? 
Yes or no? That doesn't even make sense, but okay. Uh, do you have a tendency to envy others? Or assume others envy you? Yeah. Was that what you said? They're just jealous. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, not that. But I think we all envy people. Yeah. Like, I don't know how that's either, like, I don't know how that's part of one question, because I feel like everybody envies somebody else. That's natural. Mm-hmm. So saying a tendency to doesn't make sense to me in this case. Like, everybody does. Mm-hmm. If you don't envy somebody, you're fucking lying. Like, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, last one. Do I have arrogance or scorn for others? Huh? Arrogance or scorn? Uh, do I have like air? Am I arrogant? And do I have scorn for others? I don't see that now. Oh God! <laughs> I think you've come a long way from what you were like when you were much younger. Yeah, but I think you're pretty self-aware about that. Yeah, and I honestly look back on it and I feel bad. Like I feel like I was not a very good person back then. I mean, I was scared of you, but... You were? I was kind of, yes. What? I, I mean, was there was a time about that. There was a time we didn't talk for a long time. Really? Don't you remember? No. We didn't talk for almost a year. Are you serious? Dead ass serious. I was scared to talk to you for in a while. In college or, like, in high school? This was after Korea. There were some experiences that I was just like, fuck. Um, I don't know that I can talk to her right now. I don't know when I'm going to be able to again. But I didn't trust you for a long time. Because some of these things, maybe, but I don't remember. But I left Korea. I came home. Oh, I remember now. Okay, yeah. It had something to do with a stupid boy, but. Yeah. um, That wasn't the only thing. That was an inciting incident. Hmm. But from that point up till now, I would say you're probably a completely different person. Yeah. <laughs> you said be honest. Nah, nah, it's fair. It's fair. I honestly was like, I'm not going to be a narcissist at the end of this. I'm not going to. No, okay, maybe I am. Okay, all right. But again, there's a difference between narcissists, like your diagnosis clinically cannot help it, and narcissistic behavior. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think I have narcissistic fleas? narcissistic fleas do you know what that is no what is that well i'm actually i was going to talk about this in my podcast anyway so i'm going to talk about it right now so narcissistic fleas comes from the term when you lay down with dogs you're gonna get fleas and it's Mm. this idea i think it's an idiom i don't know what that is what is is that an idiom is that what you would call that um i don't know it depends on its origin Okay, I don't know. It might be an idiom. Uh, But it's basically the idea that an empath or an empathic person who spends extended periods of time with a narcissist will then take up their patterns and traits. And Dr. Romani, who works uh, professionally with narcissists, believes that one out of five people on this planet are narcissists. So I would have had, because I've met more than five people, and I can honestly say within our family, I have seen narcissistic stuff mm-hmm. that I, do you think that I am narcissistic or do I just have fleas from them? That's a good question. Um, 
Now, again, no one's here a licensed professional. She can't diagnose me with anything. I'm just asking an opinion. <laughs> and I just learned this, so I don't even know what the fuck. Uh, I do know that you tend to attract narcissistic men. <laughs> I do. And through that, I have seen more narcissistic behavior coming out of those relationships quite often. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to sit with that a lot longer and kind of think it over. I will say that a lot of the men, not all of them, but a lot of the men you've been with have been giving you fleas. Yeah. Ew, that sounds gross. <laughs> I know. Doesn't that not sound very appealing? I, I don't like fleas. that. Ew, yeah, can you can. You can pick them up. Narcissistic fleas. Ew. Wow. Okay. All right. Let me ask this final question because I had a very clear sense before I called you and now I don't. Um, do you feel like I'm actually an empath or am I a narcissist? Let's just say it. Uh, I don't think that anyone is ever one thing. I think that is pigeonholing, and I think it's really limiting to what a human being can become and change, and I think we have a lot of aspects to us, and we change and we grow all the time, so, you know, one moment I think you would be all empath, the next you could be all narcissist, or you can be a mixture of both, or even something completely different than any one of those two things. So I don't want to say I think you are this, because A, I don't like speaking things into being yeah. i do believe words have power that is my entire belief system that's how i lived my life you know my career is based on that yeah and i don't like the limiting idea of saying i think you are this because i don't think you can define a person in w words especially not in these two polar terms mm. i'm sorry that's probably not the answer you wanted <laughs> no it's fine because like i don't need to find out today, I don't feel like, but it has been a fun discussion to see. What I'm saying is I don't also want you to get too wrapped up in this idea because I don't think it is something that defines you. Hmm. It is something to be aware of, but I don't think it defines you. Okay. Well, that actually comforts me that you, you don't think that I need to rush off to like a therapist and have them like treat me. <laughs> I mean, we all need therapy, let's be honest. Yeah, we do. We all do. <laughs> but I'm not, I, I do not believe that this is like a clinical situation where I'm going to be like, if you don't, then you're going to like ruin yourself and everyone. Like, no, it's, it's not anything that dramatic. And I don't believe that anyone is ever going to be all one thing. We are humans. We are complicated. And that's half the fun of humanity is, hey, I can be this one day, and then tomorrow I can be something else. True. All right. Well, thank you for answering my call. I'm going to end my podcast now. Um, uh, uh, teddy bears, puppies, happiness. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna end it a little differently than I thought I was gonna okay. be ending it. I'm sorry. Um, no, like that's good. Like self awareness is so important, and hearing people's feedback, I feel like is not only important, but it is the only way you're going to see how people see you. Yeah, we don't live in a vacuum, so yeah. it's good to understand. Mm -hmm. And I, I again, the whole reason why I'm doing this is because I don't want to be narcissistic. So if I have things I need to work on, I need to know what those are. Well, hopefully 
my an- my ambiguous answers helped. I don't know. They might. I mean, like, I'm I'm going to talk to a licensed therapist. Like, okay, good. Period. But it is also no like they are not going to know me the way that my sister does. Okay. Okay. Thanks for answering the food. Okay. Anytime. Okay. Have a good night. Bye. That was a little harsh, guys. <laughs> my my little hearty heart kind of hurts. <laughs> okay, let's bring the confidence back up to end this at least because, whoo. <sighs> okay, so we talked about narcissistic pleas. I'm glad that I was able to define that. Um, they also the the fact that Dr. Romani has identified that at least one in five people are narcissists. So if you are susceptible to getting nar- narcissistic pleas. Yeah, you have definitely met a narcissist. So just be aware of that. Um, yeah, because I'm sure everyone that's listened to this has associated with more than four people in their life. Just saying. Okay, so. <laughs> oh, I was going to end this so much differently. Maybe I should still do it. I'm going to still end it the way I originally had thought because I think that this story really does um, – bring into perspective of what I am now and not what I was five or 10 years ago. Um, so I think I can't be a narcissist because of how I reacted when I found out that preppy, that boyfriend that I talked about in the jealousy episode, I found out that he was serially cheating on me in the most hurtful way. I had made him a Thanksgiving dinner that day and I wanted him to sit on the couch and relax because he was about to move and I wanted to have to have Thanksgiving before he left because he would be traveling that day and so I slaved over the kitchen stove I made as many dishes as I could by myself in his little apartment kitchen and something felt off with him and I could sense it and I had to go home that night, and when I got home, my roommate called me into her room, and I was like, what's up? Because I thought at the time she was having a rough patch with her boyfriend, and she wanted to talk about it or something, and I went in, and she asked, are you and Preppy in an open relationship? And I was so confused, and I said, no, we are not. Why? And she said, because Preppy matched with me on Tinder today and we've been talking all day and he's trying to meet up with me on Tuesday while you're at school. I called him back and I ran out to his car and at first I was very upset and angry and sobbing and I called him out on cheating on me. And I remember asking all these different questions about how many girls, how many has he met? How many did he plan to meet? What was going on? All those questions that you kind of want to know when you find out your boyfriend's cheating on you. And I remember looking into his eyes and I said, Preppy, this isn't you. And I feel so bad that you felt like you had to do this for whatever reason you thought you did. I feel so bad because I know this isn't you. And I genuinely felt that. I do not think that a narcissistic person could feel that level of empathy for a person who had been meeting girls for 
weeks to months behind their back. And I'm kind of using that to anchor myself into the idea that those narcissistic traits that I have can be changed. And I'm not stuck being a narcissist because I have enough empathy that I could look at my cheating boyfriend and care more about him and his well-being over the cheating and being betrayed. I feel a little weird revealing that to you guys because it is a very, I feel like most women hearing that would be almost upset with me because he betrayed me. But I honestly, genuinely care so much for Cuffy that I didn't care about that as much as I cared about why he did it. And I had so much respect for him that it crushed me. In more recent stories, though, sorry to bring the down to the, the cheating stories, but hey, that's just the way it goes. Um, guys sometimes will cheat, and so will girls. It happens. Uh, all right, so the more recent story that makes me think that I have a very high level of empathy and I can feel it is I had to reject someone in person recently. Um, he was just way too into it before we had even gone on a date. Um, essentially we, me and my friends call him Skittles guy because he basically bought me a bag of Skittles and then, uh, started clinging to me as if that meant something that like the bag of Skittles was now a, um, it was a sour bag of Skittles nonetheless, which is my favorite, but he basically was acting like that was like a, 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 a promise ring or something. <laughs> and I had to let him know that I was no longer interested because of how clingy and like entitled he was acting because of those Skittles. And he came to my apartment complex and I had to let him know that he was acting too much and that it was basically a no. And when he left, I felt crushed seeing the crushed feeling on his face. Like I could feel it off of him and I felt terrible. Like I went back and I called Dallas, my best friend, and I was like, am I an asshole? Like, should I have given him more of a chance? Like, was that an appropriate response? Like, I feel terrible. So I have that to, to hold on to that I can feel other people's feelings. I have that ability. I have effective empathy and it is very high, which would say to me that I'm not clinically narcissistic. And I've also, this sounds bad, but like when I was asking this question originally, if I was a narcissist, I actually took an online test <laughs> to see if I had any empathy. Cause I was like, I am actually doubting myself right now. Do I have empathy? And I went online and I took a test and it came out that I was 95% um, empathic. So if the online tests mean anything to anyone, 95%. Okay. So it's 95%. Right. Okay. So. Okay, so I definitely do not want to end this by saying that I have now diagnosed myself with anything. Okay, very clear on that. And I also do not want anyone who is currently listening to diagnose anyone in their life by what I've talked about today. If you are seeing these patterns in someone else, and you're trying to identify, are they narcissistic? Are they narcissistic? You'll never know unless they go to therapy and work that out with a professional. And honestly, I'm going to take Dr. Romani's advice and place it in here, but these are 100% her words. 
her perspective on it is it doesn't matter if they're a narcissist or not. If they are acting in a narcissistic way, they are hurting you. It is toxic and it does not matter if they are a narcissist. It is not healthy for you. That's what matters. Okay. If they're narcissistic or not, that's not the important part. The important part is how they make you feel and how they make you think about yourself. Now, I know that there are people out here listening to my podcast right this second that are thinking, but wait, but wait, I understand that if they're narcissistic, they cannot change. There's no potential for them to get better because they're narcissistic. They don't have that level of self-awareness or that level of empathy towards other people. They cannot, they'll never change. But if they're not narcissistic, they have the potential to change. They have the potential to become more empathic. They have the potential, the potential for what bitch? That's not important. The potential to change and to hear you, honey, you're not with the future them. You cannot date potential. You cannot marry potential. They are hurting the you that is in the now. And now is where you live. Now is where you sleep. Now is where you talk to them. Now is what matters. Just like Andy Puttycomb says, in this moment exists our entire lives. Do you want to waste that with someone who's hurting you? Forget about their potential and make the changes you need to make. Period, bitch. Okay. I need to hurry before my battery runs out. Okay, so I do not think that I'm a narcissist. And honestly, I have I have to admit that this whole process that I did with you today is actually just a rerun of what I've been doing for days. I have been deep diving. I have been going in and really self-assessing myself on whether or not I have things to worry about. And I have been honest that I know in my past, I have been way more egotistical. I have been way more narcissistic than I am now. And... I feel like having distance from people who are narcissistic in my life has really helped in that area. And I do think I'm still going to talk to a licensed professional about the narcissistic things that I see and the Machiavellian things that I'm seeing. But I don't feel like I need to be overly worried about it because I do know I have a lot of empathy for people and I care a lot about how my actions affect them. I'm not perfect. Like, where's that song back from like the early 2000s? Is it Green Day where they're like, I'm not a perfect person. There's a lot of things I wish I didn't do. That's me. I feel like that song is me. (laughs) I'm so sorry for costing your ears, but like, I've just gone through it with my sister. I need a little up, little up and up for myself, okay? All right. So again, if you have any worries, please reach out to a licensed professional. If you have someone in your life that's displaying these, do what you need to do, but uh, definitely don't worry if they're narcissists or not. That's not your worry. You don't need to worry about that. And uh, next week, I'm going to be coming back with a new topic. I'm so excited to see you guys. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Don't sub- uh, Don't forget to follow me on Instagram. So that you can catch up with me and let me know if you liked this episode or if you have any feedback. I'd love to hear from you. This is a journey. This is not something that I take lightly. 
And also, it's a one-woman show here. Like, I am the writer, the producer, the host, the editor, all of it. That's me. So I do appreciate um, an outsider's perspective on what I'm doing. So I hope to hear from you, and I will see you next week. My loves, be kind to yourself. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye.